Hi, I'm Kate. And I'm Lori. We've always thought that the most compelling story strikes the perfect balance between an honest look at the mess of life and the humor that can be found in the mess. To be perfectly honest, we don't really know how to live life without both the humor and the authenticity. Our podcast might be a little bit of whiplash at times. We can spin from hard and deep to humor and laughing on a dime. The hard will be really hard and the truths we share are the ugliest of humanity. We don't intend to make it seem like it's all fine or to pretty up the pain, but we also know that the joy we found is all the more profound because of the pain. So we hope you can stick with us through the ugly because there will also be joy and hope and humor. Welcome to the ugly truth about the girl next door. Hi, I'm Kate. Uh, welcome to our podcast, The Ugly Truth About the Girl Next Door. Um, I am a survivor of human trafficking, and I'm here with my friend Lori. And I, Kate said that I'm supposed to say that I am the person who is helping her heal, but that feels really weird because it's very formal. But <laughs> here we are. It took us like 15 times to try to record just that little bit of an introduction. So we'll it's complex. See. It's more complex yeah. than that. We'll see how that goes. Um, so Kate said that she is a survivor of human trafficking. Um, and I understand that while, you know, maybe we all understand what we're talking about when we say that, but we should probably start. So with an understanding of what we mean when we say that. So Homeland Security, <laughs> if I can actually make this readable, says that human trafficking involves the use of force, fraud, or coercion to obtain some type of labor or commercial sex, sex act. Um, what that means for a child though, is that, um, adults manipulate and distort the truth and control a child's life for the purpose of people paying for sex with a child, which is so disturbing. It's horrendous to even say out loud. And I'm sitting here with Kate and it's terrible for her to have to remember that and think about that. But yet you'll notice as we do this podcast that we kind of bounce back and forth between just sort of the enormity of that. And also just, um, having to, I don't know, figure out how to just keep going and find humor in the midst of it, because that's how you keep going. That's really what being a survivor looks like is you don't get stuck. You can't stay bogged down in the pain and you also can't pretend that it isn't real. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think as we kind of go through these episodes, we um, will share obviously more in detail the story, um, you know, kind of one of the biggest points of this whole podcast and our Instagram page, if you follow that, is um, to share the story, to share the truth. Um, and you know, high level version of that is what Lori said, you know, the definition of human trafficking, blah, blah, blah. Sorry. <laughs> she me. Uh, um, but also just to, to have people recognize that that might look different than what your assumption is. Um, and I always say, you know, if you met me in real life, you might not, um, you might not think that that even makes sense. You, you might not believe it. Um, because I don't look like, uh, what you might think, um, which is what, like a, a girl in a dirty 
place in a third world country, right? Yeah. Um, or point. people in trapped in the back of a pickup truck, like a Lifetime movie, you know? Um, Very bad Lifetime Right, movie. yeah. Um, I feel like they've made those, though. I definitely, it's out there. That's disturbing. <laughs> yeah, Netflix. Um, but I, I didn't look like that, you know? So I, it was hard for me to get out. It still is hard for me to get out because I didn't look like a girl in a dirty truck being transported across borders. Um, you know, the name of our podcast is, is, it kind of depicts that the girl next door, right? I was the girl next door. I was the girl living in suburbia, you know, in this little town. Um, my neighborhood had a park and a tennis courts in it. Um, you know, and I was, I looked pretty normal from the outside. I had normal clothes, normal hair ish. (laughs) Um, I had friends, I went to school, I went to church. And then the flip side of that is this really, really ugly place and truth um, that wasn't really shared. So I, I, the reality is that if, in the United States at least, if trafficking looked like trafficking, it would not be able to go on. People, if they could see it, obviously, they would do something. Right. But because it's hiding in plain sight and people, frankly, don't want to see that that it's just so unfathomable to decent human beings to think that someone could even think about doing the things to children that were done. Never mind, actually do them and be the person who lives next door and pretends who is in line with you at the grocery store. Like people do not know how to reconcile that. And even now, if you met Kate somewhere, she is better than most normal people, frankly. Adorable. She's adorable. I'm adorable. <laughs> way more entertaining and lots more articulate and lots more capable than a lot of other seemingly normal people. But yet there is this other piece of what she has lived through that has all shaped her to be those things. Um, but we were talking before about how confusing it can be because this is so deeply emotional for Kate and certainly for me as someone who has cared about her for years It is so, it's a lot, but yet if you're going to get anyone to listen to you, obviously you're not going to listen to our podcast if we are incoherent and can't articulate what's going on and are super dramatic or overly emotional about it. And honestly, that makes me want to throw up to even say overly emotional because why would you not be emotional emotional about something like this? But yet if you are, it turns people off, which is ridiculous, but- True. We actually had someone tell us, someone who works in um, the field of work, you know, working with victims, um, assault survivors, things like that, um, tell us that, you know, when a police, when law enforcement takes a report, if the victim is too emotional or too a mess, um, that it's it's kind of unusable. Um, and I think that kind of knocked us both <laughs> off our feet. Like, are we serious? That's uh, a thing. this was an advocate, right? This was an advocate. This wasn't right. some, this was someone who you would not expect to say that. Right. Um, so that's why we, honestly, I feel like that was almost a tipping point for us mm-hmm. in, in pushing to kind of do this podcast and um, to put it out there. Because there's, there's so many pieces to this story, um, which of course we'll get into later, but just not just what happened, but the aftermath, right? The, like, who didn't see it, who, you know, um, who could have done something and didn't, and then trying to get help, trying to escape, you know, we'll go into all of that because there's, there's a lot to know, um, in what happened. 
Um, so that's part of, I think, our first episode being about having a voice. Um, and what does that even mean? What does it look like? Um, so for me, it means um, telling the truth. Um, and I, we talked about earlier, you know, not telling my truth or telling my story, but just the truth. Um, the, the truth <laughs> is my truth. Um, and that's important because that wasn't always the case. Um, so there were many times in Kate's life where, um, because of the coercion and the threats and the fear and the frankly brainwashing, she would say what she was told to say, as opposed to what was actually going on. And so to be in a position where Kate is empowered to use her voice to say the actual facts of what she experienced is a big deal. Mm -hmm. And it's a first really to be in a position because there were times, okay, maybe not a first first because there were times when she tried, but sharing and having a voice, it's a two pronged process. There is the person who has to do the speaking and then there has to be someone doing the listening. Right. Yeah. And I think pushing through, you know, we talk a lot about like the written narrative. So the people that were doing this to me, we're feeding daily, constantly um, a, a facade. There was a narrative that was being fed to me um, that looked true because of the circumstances. I looked like a normal girl. I looked like a normal person. I looked like nothing was wrong or nothing was happening. And that was also the story that was being fed into my brain day after day that we were normal. We looked normal. We acted normal. And that was the story. So, but what about times when you didn't look quote unquote normal, that everything didn't look fine? I mean, I think that goes back to what you said before about people not being able to really wrap their heads around it, right? So um, if people looked any closer or asked questions, um, that's not really where their brain was going, I don't think, right? right. I, I think it's it was so hard for anyone to really imagine that that could be happening in my, you know, private school, <laughs> you know. Um, so that I, I think it just was their preconceived notions of what any of that would look like just through any, any question out the window. Um, so the adults in your world would, so some of it was that regular folks can't even begin to conceive of this, certainly not in their backyard, but also the adults in your world would explain it away mm -hmm. and normalize, you know, I think the, the phrase was a lot, oh, she's just... Dramatic. Very emotional, sensitive, dramatic. Yep. Yeah. I was painted um, in the light of being very dramatic and very, um, yeah, just attention seeking, I guess, which I hate that term because that's just gross. But. And why does, like, whenever somebody says that, the question is always, well, why would a child feel compelled to seek attention in those kinds of ways? Yeah. Why would they? Why would they? <laughs> right. They wouldn't. Right. Um, but that is a lot of times what's thrown out there. So, um, and honestly, the adults in my world also knew the people that were doing this to me. So that was, you know, as soon as anyone looked a little closer, even if they did kind of push through that facade and try to get to the bottom of the oddities, the things that weren't quite right in my life, um, then it's just all the lies, right? It's, yeah, painting the picture of of being dramatic and it's the, you know, I'm the problem. I'm, you know, I'm the reason why these oddities are the way that they are. Um, and so I think it's important to pause there because I know that's hard for you to talk about because that was both the public story, what 
people would say to kind of divert attention, but it's also what they said to you. Yeah. That it, this was because of you. Yes. That's the other part of it too, is that, you know, it wasn't just like I was trying to keep the story straight for them. I was, I believed the story. I believed what they were saying. I believed that they were right and that it was my, my fault and my doing. And so, um, you know, and it's all over the place. It's, you know, if, if I, if, if other people don't believe the story, then I'm going to go to jail. If other people don't believe the story that they're creating, then I'm going to go to hell. Um, so I believed all of that, you know, still there's days that I believe that. Um, Mm -hmm. so that's, yeah, it wasn't just them pushing the narrative. I pushed the narrative too, because my life depended on it. Like I didn't have a choice. And so so that's, that's the reality of what it is to be a child in this, because children's, their only perspective can be what the adults in their world feed them. Mm -hmm. And if what you're being fed is, this is because of you. And therefore you don't want other people to know because you're assuming that you're going to be the one who's in trouble because that's what has been fed to you. Right. And to be honest, again, we will get into more of this later, but that proved to be true. (laughs) Um, I mean, time and time and time again, when I would try to tell someone or try to get help, which of course was messy and it didn't look um, perfect. It's not like I could sit down at the age of 12 and write it out perfectly. It was like these these weird signals or these, you know, I would give a piece of the story hoping that someone would figure it out. Um, so anytime I did that though, because it wasn't the whole story and because it wasn't clean and, and always, yeah, exactly. Uh, it was either dismissed a lot or I was in trouble. I got suspended from school at one point because I, you know, had told a part of the story and then was told that I was lying. So I got suspended from school. (laughs) So, um, right. We're laughing about that because what do you do? You laugh, you scream, you cry. Right. But that is horrendous. Yeah. But that was true. Um, you know, and then I, at some point I think I stopped telling anything. I think, you know, that's where we talk about this part of me that just emerged. That was just put it away, put it in a box. It goes in a different box, different part of my, like, we're just going to push through this. I can, I can be better than this. I can, out good it, I guess, if that even makes sense. It's, uh, you know, which is so messy because, you know, on the one hand, right. You're sitting here in part because you were able to do that, right. You Mm -hmm. were able to have a normal life in part because you were able to do that, but it's also so incredibly toxic to shove all of that pain and all of that truth down somewhere. But you were stuck in a position where you had tried to tell the truth and heal and then build a good life. But that was not available to you at that point. Right. Yeah. What's the statistic that you said, uh, how many times it takes someone to tell? I think it's five. Five times before For a child someone. to tell. Yeah. And that's just, that's like, that's just sexual abuse, right? right. That's not even like what we're talking about here. Right. Um, so, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, that's the, that's the reality is that it was... I tried not perfectly. It was messy. I'm not, that is just true. It was messy. It was, it was imperfect. Um, of course it was. Yeah. But it, that's part of the problem is that in order to have a voice, you have to have someone who's listening. You have to have 
the ability to be articulate. You have to be coherent. You have, you know, you have to be all these things just to tell your own story, which is absurd because somebody who's experienced, especially a child and like, we're going to talk about this, but Kate talks about these things starting by around six, but in reality, other stuff happened before six that already began the brainwashing before Kate was even capable of independent thought. And so how exactly do we expect a child as she's growing up to be able to have the emotional regulation skills and the words, by the way, to articulate her experience in a way that unless there is someone who is really listening, I mean, really listening, I don't just mean listening with like their ears, but I mean, listening with an open heart and an open mind to what's being said and what's not being said to put the pieces together in your brain unless there's somebody really listening, it's not going to, it's not going to happen. Right. Uh, Yeah. And I think like going back to what you said about um, it starting earlier than that, I read a thing that said that, you know, a survivor of complex trauma, um, they might not even know that they're traumatized because there wasn't a single major event. It was a lot of building events. It was you know, they call it, what is it? Grooming. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's true. It was like really from way before I can even remember um, looking back, there's all these things that were ha- already happening in my life that just normalized it and normalized it and normalized it um, and fed that kind of that narrative, that facade that this is who we are out there and this is in a different box because it's happening behind closed doors. Um, and that's true. That, ha- that, definitely, that definitely resonates with me. So I'm always struck by the fact that I think as a society, we've developed to the place where we understand that veterans coming home from war have trauma and of course, completely legitimate. And we have systems, very imperfect systems, but systems in place to support people who are surviving a one-off traumatic event, or in the case of veterans, often a series of traumatic events over a fixed period of time. But we don't expect them to be, I mean, we're not surprised, right, when a veteran or someone who's had a traumatic event um, has a hard time. But yet somehow we expect children who've been traumatized to be quote unquote resilient, which kids are incredibly resilient. They do, in fact, keep doing their thing, but there's a price. And the price is often their silence. And the price is often them really buying into the what the adults seem to be selling, which is it's not that big a deal. Right. You don't, you shouldn't be this upset about it. And then what? Well, then you're labeled dramatic. <laughs> if right. You are upset about it. Right. Um, which isn't funny, but, no, you know, but what well, else can we do? Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of our whole point of doing this is to be able to have a voice and to be able to tell this story um, just to put it out there. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's part of what we're going to talk about over time is how it came to be that Kate and I ended up carrying this story together. Mm-hmm. Right. That. Yeah. We didn't set out. <laughs> I didn't meet you and be like, hey, I want to start a podcast. <laughs> uh, let's get it. Get it done. <laughs> this has been um, four and a half years in the making of, you know, uh, of really unfolding this story that really didn't even, you know, when I first met you, it was. <laughs> It was not, not like this. <laughs> um, I couldn't even come to terms with what it, what it really was. Um, so yeah. yeah, I think I'm, I'm the person who used that term 
first yeah. to describe the things you were sharing with me. And the reality is it took a long time of you sharing little bits, mm-hmm. right? It's nibbles, not gulps, little nibbles of things that, um, to see how I would handle it. And that's how it emerges. And that's part of what we need people to understand is that if a child shares with you something, whether it's in a drawing or in a statement or in their behavior, if they share with you something, we need to listen with a truly open heart and mind so that there is opportunity for sharing the next piece. Because mm-hmm. we would not be sitting here if that had not happened. Yeah. Kate has had to be brave enough to give me the opportunity and I had to be willing to see the ugliness. Yeah. Yeah. And I think from a survivor standpoint, uh, to tell other survivors that like not to stop trying, even though it sucks because there's so many people out there who fail. Um, but you got to find that one person, right? Yeah. Yeah. Are you and crying? that's so hard. No, I'm not. I thought you were crying. I do cry. I'm a crier. It's the truth. Although oh my God. I don't, I don't cry very much. We do go through a lot of tissues. We go though. through a lot of tissues. <laughs> <laughs> We're not going to talk about that. <laughs> That's story for another day. <laughs> Sorry. I thought like I could, I could hear your breathing. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. Like, yes. If I breathe in a certain kind of way, it's just like, what, what, yeah. what is happening now? Usually I'm not wrong though. So <laughs> no, just saying not this time. Maybe. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. So having voice means being able to share the facts of what happened, but also the effect of what happened. Yes. The aftermath. Yeah. And kind of what that looks like, just like unfolding in our life, in my life and anyone's life, right? Just that um, I parent differently because of what I have been through. I'm a lunatic. I make my kids wear (laughs) location devices so that I can always track them. Um, but that's as a result of that's because of all of this. Um, yeah, it's not unreasonable in light of your. I mean, honestly, everyone should be able to track their kids, in my opinion, <laughs> in my humble opinion. It would be nice. It would be nice, mm-hmm. right? Yes. So yeah. So that's yeah. episode one. That is episode one. Um, look at us. Yeah, look it at only us. took us like twelve times to try to <laughs> forty-five <actually>. takes. <laughs> um. But yeah, please uh, like our Instagram page. We will be, you know, kind of dropping posts there, giving some more detail. And then our podcast is where we kind of discuss the different posts that we put up there. Um, So please go and like us on Instagram. Be friends with us. (laughs) We need friends. (laughs) Can't you tell why? (laughs) Um, Yeah. So thanks for listening.